best friends, and welcome to Cast Albums Only. I am your host, Samantha McKinnon, a poor Midwestern college student with little to no access to New York City theater, so Cast Albums Only will have to do. So as this is the very first episode, I figured I'd start it off with a bang. And joining us today is the ghost of Leo Tolstoy, who honestly is pretty confused about the way that his work has inspired current theater. Uh, yep, today we're talking about Natasha Pierre and the Great Comet of 1812. So like so many things, I first found this uh, through Tumblr, and I saw that it looked really beautiful, like the stage and the setup looked really beautiful and the costumes looked really beautiful, but it wasn't really compelling to me, like I've never had an interest in Russian literature, so I'm like, oh, it's based on War and Peace, okay, cool. I didn't listen to any of the music or anything, until I watched the performance at the Tonys, I love a good interactive show, and you can tell that by the fact that Hedwig and the Angry Inch is one of my favorite shows of all time. So I thought I would give it a chance, and I listened to the cast album, the Broadway cast album, not the original cast album, which is shocking because I do love me some Philippa Sue, but I listened to the original Broadway cast album first because I thought that was like a finer tuned version of what the original cast album would be, and... I didn't fall in love immediately, I will say. There were some songs I was just like, wow, that's really good. But then other songs I was like, okay, we get it. You're clever. You're a clever lyricist. But honestly, the more that I listened to it, the more that I kind of just got it. It's a really interesting show, for sure. And once you get past like the kind of cognitive dissonance that comes with lyrics not rhyming and just like a more focus on telling a story than making pretty lyrics like they're beautiful turns of phrase don't get me wrong but like it's definitely more about a the music behind the lyrics and b telling the story of what's happening rather than focusing on like traditional you know musical storytelling so let's dive a little deeper into it uh the first thing i want to talk about is the prologue which is the opening to the show and my god, who would have thought such a banger could start with an accordion solo? Because man, that song is a banger. Like, way to start off the show on a great foot. Because honestly, that just gets it right away. You understand what this show is going to be. They're talking, they're breaking the fourth wall, talking about looking at your program. That's great to me. Like, it really, I love a sh- like a number that sets you up for what you're about to experience. The other thing that struck me about the opening number is the fat the sheer amount of exposition. <laughs> I still don't know how I feel about exposition in first like opening numbers. I understand why it's necessary sometimes, but that doesn't mean I have to like it. That doesn't mean I have to enjoy it. Although I do love this song. Like it really does set you up, but I mean it rivals the opening of Hamilton for just the sheer amount of exposition packed into one song. And at least it does it in a fun way. Like I enjoy it a lot. I, let's just leave it at that. I'm not going to say anything else. So the next thing I wanted to talk about is the characters in The Great Comet. So I've obviously never read War and Peace. I feel like that's the case with most people, but I just have neither the time nor the inclination to read it because as the great Josh Groban says, it is a doorstop of a novel. Uh, And I've also never seen it like performed in terms of a theater, you know, adaptation, and I've never seen a movie adaptation of it either. So this is really my first introduction to these characters. And honestly, Dave Lemoy does such an incredible job with these characters, like, He fleshes them out so well, especially when you consider the fact that it's just 70 pages of what is a humongous novel. Like, they're all multidimensional and all very interesting and compelling. And the fact that they're compelling is due in no small part to the actors, because this cast is truly just incredible. Like, listening to the cast album, 
I could hear everything. Like, I could hear all the emotion. I could hear all the personality. They each brought so much of, like, their acting to the table here. Like, they brought so much talent to the table. And I was so impressed just listening to it because you really can. Every single actor puts in everything. And it's just the cast album. Like, my God. It's so fun to listen to because they just really go for it. I love, you can hear, like, Anatole's smarminess, you can hear Natasha's naivete, you can hear Grace McLean's everything, like, she brings it, and she's not joking around. (laughs) I love it. They're just all so talented, and I really, it makes me wish even more than any other time that I could see this musical, because just hearing how talented they are makes me so happy. Like, I just want to hear it and, like, experience it live. It's that's just something I really enjoy about this particular cast album is just the sheer amount of personality that's brought to it. So speaking of the cast, let's talk about these talented assholes, shall we? <laughs> uh, first, I want to talk about Josh Groban. So before the Great Comet, I acknowledged Josh Groban's existence, and that <laughs> was about the extent of our relationship. I acknowledged his existence more than he acknowledged mine, but still, that was it. I'd seen him in The Office and It's Always Sunny and uh, Crazy Stupid Love. And I had heard his Christmas album because I listened to everyone's Christmas album because that's just who I am as a human. But uh, the thing, the main thing that I thought of whenever I heard like Josh Groban's name was that part in Glee where someone says, who is Josh Groban? And the other person says, who is Josh Groban? Kill yourself. And I... I obviously, because I was not very familiar with Josh Groban, never truly understood the, like, vitriol in the voice of that person who was completely shocked that they didn't know who Josh Groban was, until I listened to The Great Comet, and I was like, oh, this guy sings the house down. Like, he is incredible. (laughs) Like, he is great. So, now I love Josh Groban. Now Josh Groban is my life. Just kidding. He's not really. But I do love him quite a bit. And also he's kind of the one that I've seen the most in the context of The Great Comet just because when they do, you know, daytime talk shows and when they did the Tonys, they usually pick songs with big Pierre parts like Dust and Ashes is a Pierre song and then Pierre and uh, The Abduction. So, you know, you see him act out his character a lot more than you would, you know, like Danae Benton. I found that his portrayal of Pierre is really compelling just because he acts, he acts it very well. Like, it's very easy to make Pierre overdramatic, I feel like, just because he is going through an existential crisis, so you can overdo that pretty easily, but I think Josh Groban reigns it in pretty well and does a great portrayal. And after Groban is going to be Oko Naudouan, who played James Madison and Hercules Mulligan in Hamilton, and I love Oak. Like, he is just a great person, and also a great performer (laughs) like he's just very he's very good he was very good in the clips that I saw of Hamilton he's very good in the cast album and I love his voice and I can't wait to hear it sing dust and ashes if I ever get the chance to if they post audio of it I'm gonna be on that (laughs) don't you worry so next is Danae Benton and my god that woman can sing (laughs) if I had her voice I would never speak again I would only sing everything because she is just an incredible talent And she brings it with Natasha. You can hear it in her voice. Like, she acts through that cast album, just like I said earlier. Like, you can hear the smile in her voice when she says, it's our secret and no one else. And I'm like, because you can feel Natasha. Like, you can really feel it. And you can feel the innocence in her voice. 
And it just, she suits the character perfectly. And I just think she's just a wonderful person. Everything I've seen on social media, she's just a lovely, lovely gal. So, I don't know. I just love her. And I love, obviously, the woman who originated the role, Philippa Sue. She is one of my idols. Like, one of my queens. What a soprano. (laughs) So, I mean, that role has just gone to incredible women. And I can't wait to see who takes the helm after Danae. And then there's Lucas Steele, who is just truly (laughs) a renaissance man of the show, because, like, as soon as he took that violin from Danae and started playing it, I, I was shook. I was rattled. I gotta be real. Because how often do you see that? You see them playing piano and stuff, and that's pretty standard. Like, you see that a lot in shows, the main character playing piano like Pierre does. But you rarely see someone just grabbing a violin and just going ham and I loved it like I love that and he does such a good job as Anatole because even in the cast album you can hear the total just smarminess in his voice which makes me wonder how Natasha doesn't also hear it but he's like I like it very much indeed (laughs) that cracks me up because I'm like oh my god he is acting his little heart out and I am here for it all the way Looking at some of the more minor characters, one of the things that I like the most about this show is the inclusion of unique voices that usually aren't, like, classically Broadway. Like, for instance, the woman who plays Sonia, Britton Ashford, her voice is very, like, indie girl singer, and I kind of love it. I don't kind of love it, I do love it, but I definitely love the inclusion in Broadway because a lot of times, like, people with those voices think that they can't do something that they love because they don't sound like, you know, Liza Minnelli or, you know, Barbara Streisand. But shows like this allow them to think that way just by simply existing. Like, I heard Ingrid Michaelson, who's going to be taking over as Sonia, say in an interview that she didn't think there would ever be a part for her until she saw The Great Comet and was saw Britton Ashford and thought, I can do that. So that's incredible to me. And, you know, Britton Ashford has an incredible voice. It's not Broadway, not classically Broadway, but it's a beautiful voice, and it should be celebrated just the same on the stage as, you know, Danae Benton, who is more classically Broadway. Not to say that any of those voices are less important than one or the other. You know, you just have to be more inclusive because people are talented and we need to, you know, broaden the spectrum of what we, you know, allow into the community. Speaking of which, Amber Gray also has an incredible voice and she is an incredible Helene. Like, she brings so much to that role and her voice is so good. Like, she's a very, like, jazzy Amy Winehouse-ian voice that really suits Helene because she's supposed to be this, you know, sex pot. She's very sultry and very, you know, sexually promiscuous. They say it right in the beginning that she's a slut, which is interesting, the inclusion of the word slut, but I'm not going to get into the gender politics of it. Um, but she, she's just so good, and her voice is not classically Broadway either, and that enhances the role to me. So I love that that is included. And my girl, Grace McLean, she, sla- she just like Josh Groban, sings the house down, and... She is incredible. Like, she, I don't know how she doesn't break her voice every single night, because she kills it. Like, I don't know the proper musical terms, but the way that she, like, goes deep into her throat for those notes, I'm like, she's so, she's so talented. She just brings it all. Even in the cast album, you can hear it, like, clear as day. And, again, performers like her 
make me want to go see performances live, even though I can't. It just makes me sad every day <laughs> that, you know, such talent is all together on one stage singing incredible songs and I can't be there for it. I know that you feel me if you're in the same boat. So speaking of wonderful songs, uh, I want to talk a little bit more about the music of The Great Comet. So, like I said before, I had a difficulty getting into it right away just because it was so different from the way that I expected the musical to sound, the way I expected music in general to sound. It just doesn't care about format. And I remember when I was younger, that stuff used to bother me. Like, I hated E.E. Cummings because he just threw format out the window. But... I don't know, for the same reason, I appreciate this. Like, the more I listened to it, the more I liked the way that it was different, and I liked the way that it did things that I didn't expect. And the more I listened to it, the more I appreciated, you know, Dave Malloy, because that's hard to do, to make it sound good while not really giving a f*** about, <laughs> you know, every everything that you're supposed to, quote-unquote, supposed to be doing with music. He really made something innovative, and I think it's definitely underappreciated. Like, yes, it was nominated for a Tony, but in terms of, like, commercial success, when put up against, like, Dear Evan Hansen, which I also love, but, you know, also kind of stole the show the same way Hamilton did last year, um, it it's kind of sucks, because it's like, th this is a great musical, and the the music and lyrics are incredible, but I feel like because it's not standard, people aren't as willing to accept it. But I don't know. I think it's great. Maybe I'm just being uppity and people are actually like, no, this is really good. <laughs> Frankly, all we can know for sure is what we think. And I think this show is fantastic and it deserves all the accolades it's gotten and more because it's so different and so fun and just so refreshing. And I love listening to it in the car before I go to work because nothing wakes me up more at 9 a.m. than The Great Comet even more than my morning cold brew, because it just gets you feeling good. Like, even the sad stuff, you're just like, it makes you feel pensive, and I, I don't know. I just can't say enough good things about the show. Obviously, I've used the word incredible. I'm gonna call myself out. I've used the word incredible at least 50 times in this podcast alone. I don't use the word incredible that much in my daily life, but apparently that's all I can say when it comes to The Great Comet. It's just an incredible show with an incredible cast and an incredible soundtrack, and I, God, I wish I could see it. God, I wish I lived in Manhattan and could just, you know, hop the train or even take a nice little stroll down to the theater, go watch it. If you are in Manhattan or if you are in New York or if you are in New Jersey and you are close enough to see it, please do yourself a favor and do it because I, if someone, I just want someone else to see it. If I can't see it, then you please enjoy it and give it that cash money that it deserves. So that's it for us today, guys. Good first podcast, maybe? <laughs> Honestly, I created this so that I could have a space to talk about all my favorite shows and spread positivity, I guess, because obviously I'm not an expert in musical theater, but, you know, I love I love Broadway so much, and I really just wanted a space where I could talk about it, and it doesn't have to be to anyone in particular. So if you like this, I'm glad. You can follow the podcast Twitter, at CastAlbumsOnly. I mean, if you want to, <laughs> go for it. I'd be fine with it. Please do. Uh, I hope that you have a wonderful day. I hope that the cast of The Great Comet has a wonderful day, and I hope that Dave Malloy has a wonderful day. 
And please remember, whether you live in Manhattan or Malawi, you are just as much a part of the Broadway community as anyone else.